literally when I started to take off in my career, I was getting so many messages like, yo, you're my inspiration. I look up to you. You're so amazing. And I was just like, wow, this isn't fair to God. I'm all of these things because of him. So from that day forward, I made him a promise. Like as long as he continues to elevate me, I'm always going to point that shine, that, that light right back to him. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, yeah. So it actually started with an internship Uh, while I was at Delaware state university. I interned at the Wells Fargo center. For those of you who don't know, um, that is the sports and entertainment facility for uh, Philadelphia. So that's where the Sixers play, all the major concerts and all that good stuff. Um, That's where my love for the industry started. After that, um, I graduated a couple years later. And, you know, I was, listen, you knew me on campus. I was involved (laughs) in everything. I was an AKA. Me and Shonda would walk around like we was popping or whatever. So I'm like, who wouldn't hire your girl, right? The job is just supposed to be lined up, right? So it was the exact opposite. So it actually took me um, some, some, a couple of turns, a couple of twists uh, to actually land my spot into my career. It took me a couple years. Um, A lot of people don't know that. Like some people think that I was privileged with breaking into this industry as soon as I graduated. And it was really a journey for me um, and a journey that I embraced. So. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and you like, you did a great job. I mean, you're doing a great job. And I'm just saying, like, I know when you were with, um, like when you were with the G league and I remember just seeing you like on LinkedIn, Instagram, and I'm like, man, like she looked like the owner of the team. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, that's like uh, good. And I'm glad you shared that too. Cause I think sometimes people just see the finished product of success but they're not seeing like the work that, you know, you're taking and put into it. So, you know, speaking of that journey, like I know it's not, it hasn't been an easy journey. Um, and something that your website stuck, I would say, you know, breaking glass ceilings and hills. Like I love that by the way. Um, what is your, you know, what are some of the, I would say frequent challenges that you've come across, um, you know, breaking into these spaces and being a woman and, um, you know, spaces dominated by males and, and more specifically, you know, white males. Yeah, um, I will say that the industry has gotten a lot better and a lot more diverse since I first started. Um, So I'll preface this with that. But the numbers are there. Statistics are there. The numbers are still off. Um, So I would say that a a general challenge can be, you know, for maybe women in sport, not knowing how to ask someone to be their mentor, being afraid to speak up Um, or women who may be. Uh, a little bit more timid when it comes to advocating for this, their selves, um, such as in performance reviews or salary negotiation um, and really negotiating your work to your employer. Um, I would say that those are the two standard things that I see are are most common in women, not only women in sport, but women in general. OK, no, no, I can see that for sure. So, you know, through, through those experiences, um, I know I wanted to ask, you know, before we jump into what you're currently doing, but, you know, it seems like kind of preparing you for the position that you're in today. And I'm saying that just in regards to, I'm going to know you're involved with the National Black NBA. Um, you're the Black Engagement Chair, um, Black Engagement Network Chair, and just doing your speaking engagement, I think, engaging these different type of diverse communities. Um, being in that space now, like, how do you feel like, you know, your journey has, like, unintentionally prepared you for that? Listen, like you said, my journey has definitely prepared me for where I am today. Um, some people don't know this, but yes, so I, I did uh, start the first black employee resource group for the Washington football team, along with my homegirl, Astasia. Shout out to Astasia. Um, so we got together and started Ben. 
And just from there, doing the work, it morphed into a full-time role. Like the company approached me and asked me um, if this is something that I would want to do. And by all means, it was, it was my passion. So it, everything just aligned so perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. Now, would you, um, you know, like I was saying earlier in the beginning of the episode, this is such a hot topic now, um, diversity and inclusion. Uh, myself, I work in HR. So, you know, something that mm. we've all, we're always talking about all the time. Oh, so um, you the ops. <laughs> yeah yeah so you know so we always talk about it specifically like i'm in recruiting so right now there's a big push for diversity hbc mm-hmm. you know all those type of things so just from your experiences working in that space you know kind of share like some um some wins and then some areas of improvements as it relates to diversity and inclusion yeah um i would definitely say that de and i is especially in the sports space, I think it's newly embraced. And I think that it took last summer, was it last summer for, for these teams to really lean in and to get an understanding of where they went wrong and to acknowledge the, the fact that they have to move forward. Um, so with that said, I, I think some of the wins are that, you know, we have everyone's attention, everyone is leaned in and everyone is trying. I think the areas of growth and opportunity can be for more support, for these DEI leaders, um, or even for employee resource groups to effectively navigate and manage um, the necessary programming to do what it is that in, an employee resource group is designed to do, which is to recruit, retain, and develop. Yeah, you know, absolutely, I agree. Because I know there's a, you know, it's, it's a lot of activity going on, and you know, some things are working and some things aren't working. Then I think it's just sometimes people just not really being open to all the work that it will require to kind of reach some of those diversity goals. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, be, being um in these spaces and just going back to talking about, you know, coming from HBCU, um, kind of like how you say, you know, sports has changed. I think even the reputation and the support and the, the branding of what HBCUs can produce has changed as well, yes. which I'm happy to see. But talk about, you know, Dale State and, uh, you know, HBCU and a small family environment. Talk about, you know, how that kind of helps you like before you kind of got into the quote unquote real world. Oh, man. So, look, you were Mr. DSU, right? Uh, no, no, SGA. SGA, okay. Yeah, I mean, so you still had it. Same, yeah, same thing, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, it was, It. listen, I can't even be professional. It, it was just lit. It was litty, okay? Right. <laughs> um, my HBCU definitely prepared me for my, my journey. It And I say this all the time. The fact that I served on SGA, I was my senior class VP, which kind of forced me to, you know, have face-to-face interactions with our university president or some of those higher-up people. Um, That same confidence that I had on campus when I had to speak to these higher-level individuals is what prepared me to go into these companies and speak to CEOs and ABCs and XYZs. Like, the, the HBCU confidence is unmatched. And I, I think that the people who attended an HBCU, you can literally like just see it on them. Like, I think that we walk different. We talk different. We think different. There is no mistake in an HBCU graduate from a non-HBCU grad. No, absolutely. I, I, I totally agree. Because that was actually my experience, too. Once I graduated, you know, it was like me with all these big wigs and stuff. And it was like, yeah. you know, we done met with the president. We done met with the, um, 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 who was it, Congressman Carney at the time. And, you know, it just kind of had that exposure to being yes. in a small city. So I definitely attest to that. Now, one thing you touched on and what um, I definitely wanted to ask, you know, I talk to a lot of, you know, different women, whether it's our age, younger, older, whatever the case is, 
and I've noticed, and I'm speaking specifically from someone that really loves the network. I'm big on networking. I've noticed that women may have a, um, a different, you know, a lot of them have, you know, different concerns and perspectives when it comes to networking. And not that they're opposed to it, but I've had, you know, heard many women say, hey, well, you know, it's just different trying to network with women or it's harder trying to find an older mentor or, you know, it's different with, with, with us and how we operate. So just kind of share um, some advice for those listening who may be in their junior year college, may be deep into their career, but, you know, they, they don't have that networking skills or they need that mentor, like you said earlier, or a sponsor. Talk about, like, some advice that you could offer for them to get into that space and, you know, get get out of that space and be uncomfortable. Yeah, honestly, you just got to do it. Like, you have to put yourself out there and ask. Some people may say no. But a lot of people will say yes, because if you're an HBCU graduate and I keep harping on this, like I find it that is my responsibility to make sure that the HBCU grads behind me find success, whether it be in my industry or wherever. So if if someone asks me to be their mentor, by all means, I'm going to do something to to help them in their career path. We may not be on a call every week, but there's going to be opportunities where like we touch base or I make sure that they have the right guidance. So it's all about just stepping outside of your comfort zone. Um, for me being in a, a male industry, um, I, a lot of my mentors are men. So just to the, to the women out there who want men mentors, um, one of the criteria I look for is I just make sure that the individual is like a family guy um, very high integrity. Yes, very successful. But I also like to look at the character. I like to make sure that, you know, he's never looked at me in any type of way or didn't never make me feel uncomfortable. Isn't really attracted yeah. to me or whatever. Um, I think that's important, um, especially with like you want it to be somebody that you're comfortable with. So right. that's the biggest advice that I'll give. Yeah, no, no, I, I agree. Because I think, um, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people and it's like they're like they're itching to get it. But they're like, you know, kind of like you said, they may have had bad experiences. Yeah. Or like, like I was um, I was seeing the post one day on LinkedIn and the guy I like went so viral. He was like, hey, man, he was like, you know, he was like to the words like LinkedIn is not meant for dating. It was like, listen, on- <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I want you to mentor me. Why are you trying to holler? Like- <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. So um, and on top of that, too, you know, outside of your network and, and also being an HBCU, but being a member um, you know, being an AKA, being a member of that sorority, has that assisted you with your networking and leadership as well? It definitely has. Yeah. It, it definitely has. I, my mentor, like my camp of people that I have mentors and sponsors, like they all don't do exactly what I want to do. Like I have one mentor that's in this industry, another that's like a, a GM for a team. I don't want to be a GM. I just like the way he does business. So like, I think it's important to, to be open-minded when acquiring mentors. Yeah. agree. Because you could learn something from everybody. Exactly. And that's kind of how, you know, when I was growing up, I I'm grateful to still have the same mentor since 10th grade of high school. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. But it's like, that's like always been like my, overall mentor but then i had a mentor who was maybe on a community level then yeah. i had a mentor who was like i have one mentor who's really like specifically my financial mentor like that's mm-hmm. all we talk about so i definitely agree with you say so you could pull you know things from different people yeah um, it should be diverse i love it yeah so um before i get back to the second book because i definitely love the title and the theme of the second book but the level up boot camp 
um, you know, as you mentioned earlier, just speaking engagement, those type of things. Talk about that boot camp. And is this is this currently still available for people to take, you know, take advantage of? So, yes. Um, well, OK, let me rephrase that. Yes, I'm familiar with the level of boot camp that you're referring to, but that was last year's initiative. Um, uh, this okay. year, yeah, so this year I'm going to focus a little bit more on um, brand building and helping mm-hmm. my audience become a brand um, so they can be on the lookout for that. Um, as I'm making impact, I want to make sure that everybody else can make impact um, with their respective audiences. So that's my goal for 2022. Okay, absolutely. I'll definitely be looking out for that for myself, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, in this career, you know, we're talking about, you know, just going from the G League, um, you know, being out with the Washington football team, um, you know, you have a lot of accolades and awards. Um, what is your, and I wouldn't even say end goal, because I don't like to always ask end goal, because definitely, I mean, me knowing, watching you and feeling your energy, I know there's not like a, you don't plan to stop, but what <laughs> are some of your long-term goals, like, you know, in the next five, not even five, but like next 10 years, like, what would you like to see yourself? Oh, man, I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to just say, listen, y'all just have to just keep watching your girl. Keep watching. And you'll find out. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, um, one thing I did notice, too, you're working on your PhD, right? So my DBA, Doctor in Business Administration. Yes. Okay. Okay. And, and you'll, or do you have a set date when that will be completed? The goal is within the next couple of years, two years, but we'll see. Okay. And how's that experience <laughs> been for you? It's actually been awesome. Very enlightening. I love doing research. I love um, exploring more into the area that I'm passionate about. So. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. That's good. Definitely look forward to that. Now, um, being in a, you know, going back to the art of taking ill. So I remember when I first seen you promote this book, um, it stuck out to me so much because it actually was in the in the time where I guess you could say, quote unquote, the L, I was in the process of taking the L. Oh, okay. um, but, but you know, it, it, um, and I've, you know, like, oh, we've took many L's, but mm-hmm. you know, you don't appreciate it till you know, it's over. Like when the storm is there, you like, man, yeah, like, you know, all the time. And it's, it's so funny, right? Because Thanks. I was going through that in grad school and I remember going to Bible study uh, when I in Baltimore and they were talking about the fruits that God promised you. And when they said one of them was long suffering. So it was like, it was like a, a flash moment for me. I was like, oh, this all makes sense now when I'm going through it. But, but no, uh, you know, that book and the title that I definitely want you to touch on that more because I think, especially, um, you know, with our age group, sometimes people are afraid to take an L. And I really didn't, okay. you know, get into the space of understanding it till um, I was watching a, a guy follow Gary Vee. I know he's probably familiar with Gary Vee. Definitely. And he was just talking about how, like, yeah, like, man, whatever L you take, like, you got to take it with pride. You got to embrace it. You know, don't run away from it. So mm-hmm. talk about, you know, um, how that book came about and some lessons you learned from taking L's. Listen, that book is, I would say out of the two, it's my favorite. Um, The book came about because, you know, I realized that my thought process wasn't common with some of my peers. And I realized a lot of my peers would come to me when they needed encouragement, positivity, and when they needed to be reassured that their situation, no matter what it looked like, was going to work out ultimately for their good. Um, So, yes, it is. I, I have included some of my own experiences in the book. I've included the experiences of 11 other co-authors within the book. Um, We're talking about people who may have like lost a job suddenly, people who lost a parent, um, people who uh, 
uh, were in car accidents and overcame like every L that you can think of is in this book, um, which is why I absolutely love it. Uh, but the overall synopsis of the art of taking L's is just, you know, your your reaction to the L, you know, how how you react to it, and then your thought process of the L, like how you how how exactly is it that you perceive the L? Um, not really taking on the identity of a victim, but knowing that you're a victor. So. I love the book. I think that everybody should grab a copy. It's available now via the link in my bio. No, absolutely. Thank you for that. I, I agree with everything that you said. Um, how is uh, DC, um, you know, how's that expand? Because I think, you know, as we talk and as we know you, you were already kind of in that space, network and ambitious before you got there. But as we all know, location can either make things better or worse. But how has DC like um, impacted your life? Not even just professionally, but just personally as well. Um, I'll say, I, I think it goes back to the original point that I made earlier in the conversation. Like, I love being around so many diverse individuals, so many people of color that are in power, so many ambitious people. I love being exposed to it. I will say that I need to network more okay. and um, get out there a little bit more. So you got to invite me to, you know, the networking events or whatever. Sure. But um, overall, I love it. That's good. That's good. Now, are you actually in D.C. or are you like outside of Maryland, Virginia? Yeah, I'm in D.C. Are you in D.C.? Okay, cool. What what part? Southeast. Southeast. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you're probably in Ward 8 or Ward 7? No, I was in Ward 8. Um, Now I'm in, like, I'm by the Navy Yard. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. That's, what ward that's, is it? Well, it's funny. That's Ward 6, but it's about to be Ward 8. They just rezoned that, right? Oh, okay. So you're yeah, by the Navy I was Yard. on... I was on Mississippi Avenue when I first moved out here. I was in a hot, you was in a hot. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved it. I yeah. loved it. I loved being around my people. I really did. Agree. It's so funny you say that. That's the same with me, like, now being in Florida. And when I first moved here, uh, I was living in Pompano. So I don't know if you're familiar with Broward County, but Pompano is like, Pompano is like the heart. Of, like, that's <laughs> Kodak Black. That's all I'm from. Oh, okay, so, that part. <laughs> yeah. So when I first moved here, like, my mom, she's like, you always moved next to her. And I was like, I said, my end of the day is like, I'm not living there. I'm living, living by it. Yeah. But I'm like, I'm more comfortable around my people than maybe yes. people who I don't. Because I know my people and I know right. what not to do and what position not to put myself in. Yeah, but, yeah. No, I yeah. loved it. But Mississippi, okay, that's what's up. So, yeah, um, you know, with everything that you do have going on, uh, one thing that I know, like I said, just from following you and watching you, I know family, just even with you and your twin sister, family's important, and faith is important as well. So um, I think uh, what a lot of people can relate to that are ambitious, that have a lot going on, nine to five and five to nine, how do you find the right balance to engage in activities that keep you going? You know, whether that's working out, whether that's church or all of the above. Yes. Um, well, some things just aren't negotiable. So my health and looking fine, I got to hit the gym every day. Got to make time for it. Um, church is a non-negotiable. Going to church every Sunday. That's just how I was raised. Um, but it's also just knowing what to prioritize when. Um, one of my managers told me years ago, and this always stuck with me, he said, Chanel, you cannot be everything to everybody. Because at the time, a lot of people were pulling on me. They wanted me to be a part of certain things that they were doing, different campaigns. Um, and he noticed I was stretching myself very thin. So I employ that in my everyday life, like realizing that, yes, I can do some things, but I cannot do every single thing. Yeah, and, and that's good because you I've been there before you end up burning yourself all the way Facts. up. Facts. Facts. Yeah, no, sure. 
Um, so yeah, definitely. Um, you know, as we we come to a close, um, something I've been asking the most recent guests. So, um, something I didn't do in the beginning of the podcast, but you know, this station, Dreams by Any Means Motivation, I started it last year around this time. And it started with me kind of just exposing people to like my network, whether it was friends, former colleagues, mentors, whatever. But the main focus of this station is people talking about getting to their dreams by any means, which you have described and you've talked about. But I always ask people, you know, if you could think of a moment, whether it was work, whether it was bouncing back from an L, whether it was moving from Delaware to D.C., like what was your any means moment where you really put carriage on the table prior to the side you know just zoned in tunnel vision like what's the any means moment you could share with the listeners um you know for some inspiration um i would say when i relocated i I think that that can be a scary thing for a lot of people especially when i first moved out here which is me by myself um so that was my dreams by any means moment like i i wanted to move i was in delaware i felt like a big fish in a small pond it was time for a change and I just took a chance on myself and I did it. Congratulations. And you moved to one of the best places in the country. <laughs> so, <laughs> Thank you. So I got to ask, since you've been in D.C., have you, have you, you know, really got into the culture, meaning with the mumbo sauce, the chicken? Like, have you really culture as far as through the food, through the music? You been to a go-go yet? I have not. I went to a go-go in college. And like at to- Memorial Hall? I don't remember. I just remember it was real hot. Uh, but but you didn't go to one in D.C., though. Yeah. Oh, oh okay, okay. You went to a real one. Okay. Oh, you cool, talking cool, about, cool. no, not at Delta Campus. Yes, I came to D.C. and went to a go-go. Like, oh, you okay, you good. Then. You you good. Yeah. But chicken and mambo sauce now? I don't eat chicken, but I got mambo sauce in my refrigerator. Okay, and do you got a pair of 990s yet? No, I don't. All right, that's the last thing. We got to get you the whole kit. Okay. The starter kit. (laughs) Right, right. Nah, nah. That's what's up, though. Um, So I definitely, like I said, appreciate you today. I'm glad you came on here to share your story. Um, Definitely want to invite you to come back on again. And next time, you know, when I'm in D.C., we can do something visual so the people can see you. You know, we could let's have a a part two with this because I think it's definitely so much more to unpack. But um, I'm proud of you, and I definitely just want to thank you. Yeah, thank you personally for, you know, putting out that energy and putting out that positivity. Because a lot of times, even, you know, when I'm getting on Instagram and Twitter, I'm noticing myself on following pages of people because I'm like, I need to see more positive stuff. So Mm -hmm. if I can't count on anyone that's going to put that out, I know you're going to put it out there. So I speak for a lot of people um, that I know follow you that appreciate that. Oh, I really appreciate that. And I'm proud of you, too. Keep doing your thing. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So we'll be in touch um, and keep getting to your dreams by any means. Same here. You too. All right. Uh, Yeah, definitely. So then we need somebody to look up to for who working hard and that shit paying off and they stand down, bang, you know, keep in faith, whatever, whatever. Definitely look the edge, man. So, yeah, never give up on yourself, bro. A lot of us, you know, look up to you from a distance or up close, you know, for our own inspirations and Thank you for tuning into Dreams by Any Means Motivation Station, where hustle plus faith equals success. Stay tuned for the next episode.